Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Matt, and it's good to see you. Uh, we started a new series last week to kick off sort of the new year around trusting God. And what does that look like practically on like the ground floor of our lives? And so uh, last week, we started by talking about trusting God in the midst of our fear. Today, we're going to look at trusting God when it comes to our choices and our decisions. And if you think about it, life is really sort of a combination of two things. On the one hand, there are the things that happen to us in life that we really don't have control over. This would be decisions that other people make that affect us or an unexpected health issue you have to deal with. Could be the loss of a job or an unforeseen family crisis that you have to navigate. So again, on the one hand, there are the events, there are the circumstances that happen to us, and we don't really have a whole lot of say over. It's just kind of life, and there's not a whole lot we can do about it. But then, on the other hand, there are all the choices that we actually get to make. There's all the stuff we do have a say in, right? And it turns out that's kind of a lot of life. Um, for starters, we get to choose how we respond to the things that happen to us that we have no control over. And are we going to harbor resentment? And will we allow ourselves to get bitter? Or do we try to get revenge? But beyond that, we get to decide all kinds of things. We get to choose largely who our friends are. We pick who we marry. We decide how we spend our money, what we do for entertainment, where we live, what we do for work how we parent, how we spend our time. Every day, we make all kinds of choices. And with many of these decisions, uh, what we find is that oftentimes, there are lasting consequences that we don't always get to see in the moment. Um, maybe you've had this experience. We can make a financial decision in an instant that can affect us for years to come. We actually make decisions every day when it comes to our health that potentially impact the, the quality of our lives or for decades, for years from now. If you're married, you can make choices right now that will affect the trajectory of your marriage for years to come. If you're a parent, you make choices every day that will affect, to some degree, how your kids turn out, who they become, will affect the quality of your relationship together for years, which is kind of a scary thought, isn't it? So again, every day we make choices that impact our future. And sometimes the stakes are actually really high, higher than we may even realize in the moment. We all know that hindsight is 2020. Uh, it's easier to see looking back. Unfortunately, in the moment, we often don't know the outcome of our decisions until it's too late to do anything about it. That's kind of the nature of regret, isn't it? We don't regret the things that happen to us that we can't control. What do we regret? Why did I do that? Why did I make that choice? How could I have been so dumb? Um, or I should have known better. And unfortunately, with some decisions, yeah, we can move on. Yes, we can make the most of it. But there are some decisions in certain areas of life where you actually can't go back. Because of time, because of whatever, you can't fix what was lost. So the problem with a lot of our decisions is we don't get to see everything up front. We don't get to lay it all out there and then kind of having full knowledge of everything, then decide. 
We've got to decide, should I go left or right? Do I take the job or not? Should I take the risk? Do I change majors? Do I follow my dream? We have all of these options and choices. And in the middle of all that are all of these unknowns. Oftentimes we get to like a crossroads. We, we have a tough choice in front of us. We have to decide something. Uh, it could be relationally or, or financially or, or who to date. And here, here's the problem. We don't have all the information that we would like to have on the front end to have confidence that we are making the right or the best choice. We can't see the future. And I think we have this sense that, look, there's enough bad stuff that happens to us that we don't have control over. It sure would be nice to not add to that with my decisions. Like if there's any way we could minimize this list of mistakes or regrets, we would like to do that. We don't want to look back years from now or decades at decisions we made in the area of our finances or relationships or career or health or parenting or priorities and go, what was I thinking? (laughs) We all desperately want to make the right or the best choice, but we're not sure what it is. If only we could know the future. If only we could see ahead of time how things are going to play out and then decide. And then if you're a person of faith, it occurs to you, oh, there is someone, God, who sees it all. That God, you see this from, from a vantage point that I can't see in my limited viewpoint. And so again, if you're a Christian, you don't even have to be No one has to tell you to pray in these moments. You just instinctively do, God, help. I need a sign. God, show me what to do. I'm at a crossroad. Would you make it clear? Would you make it so, so obvious? God, I need help. I promise. If you help me figure this out, I'll I'll do anything. God, would you give me some advice? Would you please give me some direction? Now, here's where it gets kind of crazy. Let's just be honest for a second, okay? Okay like we're not honest already. Uh, Here's what I know about you, I'm guessing, because this is certainly true of me. We are not always great at taking advice, even when we know it's right, even when we're the ones who benefit from following that direction or that advice. I mean, this applies to, to trustworthy people that we know, like we can see them, interact with them. Um, That's hard enough, let alone to do this with a God who we cannot see. Many of you in this room have spent time and money to go talk to a financial planner. And they put everything into their software, and they gave you a little booklet, and they said to you, here is your financial plan. And listen, you trust their expertise. You know they're right. You agree 100% about what you should do. And again, you're the one who benefits in the end. You pay for their input. Afterwards, you say, thank you very much. And then what do we do? We take that little paper and we put it in a folder or a drawer somewhere, and you don't even know where it is. You never get it out and review it and say, honey, let's just, I want to make sure that we're, let's make sure we're sticking to our plan. You have all the information. You have your next step, step one, step two, step three. It's all very clear. You just 
ignore it. Or you go to the doctor and they say, okay, here's what you got to do. And you nod and you go, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm going to do that. Or your spouse is there or your significant other and they're taking, you're like, can you take notes? Because I want to make sure I really get this. And and they're doing that. And, And again, you know the doctor is right. They're the expert. You agree with the advice or the information they're giving you. But then for some reason, a week later, you go on vacation and you go, forget that. And you're back to your old diet, and you don't exercise, and oh, by the way, you own all of this equipment, and you have all these really cool clothes, and it's just like, whatever. And every time you make a reservation at a hotel, you always say, hey, do you have a fitness center? (laughs) Right? You never use it, but boy, you're going to make sure that hotel has a fitness center. What this means is that your problem and my problem is not necessarily good advice. It's often not a lack of information. If you have a Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture, really a couple of verses that wrestle with this tension. Whenever we're faced with a decision and we don't know what to do, when our future is unclear and the stakes are like really, really high, Of course, we want God to give us direction. We want God to to make it clear, to help us. Because I don't want to look back on this chapter, this season, this decision of my life with regret. What if direction, what if information, what if advice is not our biggest problem? What if God is interested in something deeper than just giving advice or information for us to consider? And what does all of this have to do with trusting God? Well, the book of Proverbs is part of what's called wisdom literature of the Bible. And Proverbs was written by a guy named Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel. He was fairly young when his father David died uh, and he became king. Solomon was like 17, 18 years old. And he's now the king of this nation. He has all this responsibility. He's got to build the temple. He has to kind of uh, continue the legacy of his father, David. So he has these really, really big shoes to fill. And because Solomon honors God, because he decides early on, okay, look, God, I'm going to listen to you. God says to Solomon, ask me for whatever you want. Can you imagine that? Like a blank check from God. Solomon, Ask me for anything, and I'll give it to you. Ask me for a long life, I'll give you a long life. Ask me for lots of money, I'll give you lots of money. Just just say the word. And Solomon thinks for a minute, and then he says, God, I'm in way over my head with this whole king thing. How am I supposed to rule this kingdom? I'm, I'm so young, I'm overwhelmed by all of this responsibility. I now have to make all of these decisions that I don't know anything about. And so I'll tell you what, God, I want wisdom. I want discernment and understanding. I want to be able to make and to have good judgment. I would like to be able to sit with people older than me and interact with them and basically make decisions that are way, way beyond my years. So, Lord, I need knowledge in areas where I have no expertise, I have 
no education, no experience. So please give me wisdom and understanding. That's my one wish. Yeah, exactly what I would have wished for as well. And this is God's response to this request in 1 Kings. We'll come back to Proverbs. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for, the, for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Again, this is a real person. You can go to Jerusalem today and see the remnants of part of the, the temple that he built. And if that promise, he's going to be the wisest person, if that sounds crazy to you, because it does sound kind of out there, you then go on and you read some of what he later wrote in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs, and, and you go, that's a lot of wisdom to come from one person thousands of years ago. And so, yeah, maybe that happened. And then God says, oh, on top of that, because you did not ask for wealth and honor and all these sort of selfish things you could have asked for, I'm going to give you those as well. I just want to show you now what Solomon, the wisest person in the world, has to say about our trusting God in our decisions. And the reason all of that context about Solomon matters is because if there was ever a person who just could have kind of gone with his gut, I'm just going to kind of do what makes sense to me. I'm going to, I've got enough understanding. I've got enough wisdom. I've got this. If there was ever a person like that, it would have been Solomon. And Solomon says, as we'll see, that that is not enough. Now, some of us memorize these verses in Sunday school uh, when we were kids. And so I just want to warn you, the tendency is going to be to go, yeah, 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 I know this. But I'm going to ask us just to sit with this because perhaps there's something here for us um, to consider. Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Solomon writes, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That is, in every area of life. That would include your relationships, your finances, and your marriage, your career path, your friendships, uh, what you choose to do on the weekend. Now, Solomon is going to make it really clear in just a minute that we are to trust not just information, not just insight, not even the wisdom of God, not even facts and information that come from God himself. No, we are to trust God, God himself. And again, Solomon is like the one person in the world who could have bypassed all of this and said, I don't really need to trust God. I've got this. I can handle this. I have all the advice that I need. And Solomon just says, look, this is a decision that you and I have to make every single day. Are you going to put your trust? Are you going to put your confidence in God or somewhere else or yourself? Now, He's going to get a little more specific here with what this looks like in practice. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and, flip side, contrast, and lean not on your own understanding. In Hebrew, this idea of lean not, uh, it's the idea or the image of kind of propping something up against something else. 
He says, don't put the weight of your life, your trust, in yourself. Don't rely on your own understanding, your own intuition or wisdom. Uh, how many of you have ever attempted to put something together, uh, like a piece of furniture or a toy for a kid or something, without following the directions? A few of us in the room, yeah, you're just going to go with your gut on that one. And you open the box, of course, you get everything laid out, and you just start assembling. And at, at some point, probably your spouse or a friend or somebody watching holds up a piece of paper and says, hey, do we need this? And you, you say famous last words, nah, we're good. How hard can this be? Right? Only to an hour later, in frustration, you're scrounging around for that paper that you threw away, avoiding eye contact with the person who asked you that initially, right? I think the challenge for a lot of us, when we're at a crossroads, when we're faced with a decision, is to go, well, I know what to do. I've got this. I've seen this before. I have good intuition. And Solomon says, your tendency, my tendency, and we all struggle with this every single day, all of us, your tendency and mine will be to make choices based on our understanding of the world, based on our experience, to say, well, you know, I'm smart. I'm educated. The way that I've done this in the past is, right, the way I, you know, I was a kid once, and so I know how to parent. Uh, I got this. You know, I own my own business or whatever. And uh, let me ask it this way. By show of hands, how many of you know someone who is very, very, very smart, who has made very, very stupid decisions, or at least one? How many of you, it's you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to quote Pastor Andy Stanley, he said, you were present for every bad decision you ever made. <laughs> you were there the whole time going, yeah, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> or in the wisdom of, of AA or the recovery movements, your best thinking got you here. Yeah, we're surrounded by voices. We live in a culture all the time that's constantly saying, just trust yourself, right? You have everything you need within yourself. You are the ultimate authority for your life. And so go with your gut. You just trust whatever your vision of the good life is. Whatever you think is going to bring happiness, go for it. And then we move forward, leaning on, relying on our own limited perspective. I got this. I know what to do. I've seen this before. I do this for a living. Hold my beer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hopefully, we are all wiser in 2023 than we were in 2022. Yes, of course, there's a place to learn from our experience or from the books that we read or to gather knowledge or, or wisdom from the people around us. But Solomon is not, he's not letting us off very easily here. He's actually slicing this pretty thin. He's going, look, even with all of that, even with all that you know and all the things you've learned from other people, even with all the things you've learned the easy way, all the things you've learned the hard way, with all that knowledge and wisdom, he says, don't make the mistake 
When it comes to making decisions in life of thinking, well, I'm old enough, I'm smart enough, I'm wise enough, I'm careful enough to lean on my own understanding. He says, lean not. Don't prop yourself up. Don't prop up your decisions based on your own understanding. He says, we all, every day, we have to resist the tendency, the temptation to trust in our understanding, whether it's whatever it is, marriage or business or relationships or money or anything else. He goes on in verse 6. In all your ways, submit to him. Now, some of you memorized this again as a, perhaps as a child, and many of us learned another really common translation, uh, which says, in all your ways, what? Acknowledge. Acknowledge him. The problem with that is acknowledge, that kind of sounds like what I say to my kids when I'm talking and there's no indication whatsoever that they're listening. <laughs> acknowledge me. Remember your parents saying that? You're like, yeah, yeah, I heard you. So submit is probably a, a better translation. It means to honor, to accept, to fully yield to God. And I just want to say I like acknowledge better. <laughs> acknowledge allows for like, you know, you know, I hear what you're saying, and yeah, that makes sense. Thank you for sharing. Well, okay, are you, but are you going to do anything differently? No. Probably not. I just wanted to acknowledge you so that you, you felt heard, right? <laughs> See, the idea of submit in Hebrew goes much deeper. To submit means that we are like focused in. We are riveted in, in, on all of what God wants in all of our lives. He says, in all your ways, not just some of our ways, not even most of our ways, Get this, not even just in the specific area you're praying about. Not even the area you're hoping God gives you some direction or the situation. No, in all our ways. He begins by saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Well, the question is, how do I know that I'm doing that? I can't see that, right? That's invisible. I can't see what's in my heart. He says, well, you know you're doing that when in all your ways you're actually submitted to him. I mean, that's actually what trust looks like in action. It's, a, it's very tangible. It's concrete. And I think sometimes as Christians, we miss this. We think the whole point of having faith is just believing the right things. As long as I have the right beliefs in my heart, these are all invisible things, by the way, about God or about Jesus or salvation, then I'm good. And Solomon says, no, these internal, these invisible beliefs have to show up in our action. They have to show up in, in how we live. It's why for Jesus, simply believing in him isn't enough. He says, if you love me, if you really are my disciple, you will obey my teaching. You will trust me enough to do what I say. You'll trust my vision of the good life enough to reorder your actual life, to make decisions accordingly. Solomon says, in all your ways, in your morality ways, in your professional life, in your entertainment ways, in your dating ways, um, what this means, though, is that trusting God 
It means that we actually have to decide this ahead of time. It means that I don't have to fully understand up front that my willingness to submit does not require that everything makes sense to begin with. Trust is about this. Trust is saying, God, because I trust you and who you are, my answer is yes. Before I even have any idea what you're going to say or what direction you might give me, God, I trust what you have to say about my finances, my relationships, my career, my morality. My answer is, is yes. I'm letting you know up front, I'm, I'm trusting you with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. This, by the way, explains, I think, why sometimes Christians, followers of Jesus, do things that don't make sense because they're willing to say yes uh, without fully understanding or not fully knowing how it's going to work out. That's why parents take pay cuts at times to travel less and to stay closer to home. It's why people following Jesus will at times downsize. That's crazy in order to be more generous. It's why people tell the truth even when it's harmful actually to their career or their income. It's why people speak out against injustice when it would be a lot easier to remain silent. God, my answer is yes. I don't know where you're going to lead. I don't know what's going to happen. But on the front end, my answer is yes. He goes on, in all your ways, submit to him. And here's the promise. And he will make your paths straight. The idea here is not that if you trust God, he's not saying if you obey him, then your life will be wrinkle-free, free of problems, and perfect. No. Solomon is just saying God's commandments, what he wants exists actually for our well-being, that God actually wants human flourishing. He knows how we're made he know, because he created us. The idea is that if you honor God with your life, It turns out by doing life God's way, you can actually avoid a whole bunch of pain, a whole bunch of heartache that comes when we don't factor God into our lives, when we insist on doing things our way. Now, here's the, I think, the the tricky thing for all of us with this. I think what happens is this. Many times we come to a crossroads, to a decision point. Boy, we really want to know what God is saying We want direction. We want uh, his advice. And yet, at the same time, we have these other areas of our life that, that really aren't even related at all to the decision in question. We have these other areas where we know what the right thing to do is, and yet we're not doing it. But then we come to God, even though we're disregarding him in these other ways, in these other areas, and suddenly we want advice. We want discernment, and God's going, hey, 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 what about that other thing over there? And we're going, well, that that has nothing to, God, could you please focus? This is what I need help with, this area here. And Solomon says, no, actually, it's all connected. You can't separate, you can't compartmentalize your life. And here's the promise. Again, if we'll do this, if we'll stay locked in, focused in, riveted on God, submitted to him with the whole of our lives, no compartments, no room in our lives that's that's off limits to him, 
The promise is if we submit to him, he will make our paths straight. God is perfectly capable of communicating. He actually thought of that idea, right? He can make your next step and mine clear. He can direct our paths. And what you've just done is you've given him room to be involved when you need it most. Again, the challenge is I'd rather have the the insight on the front end. I'd rather have it all now, and then maybe I can decide whether or not I'm going to act. Scripture teaches the exact opposite. Scripture teaches that we receive direction, we receive insight in proportion as we give ourselves more and more to God in every area. And so the first step in all of this is submitting to him in the areas we we already know. Only then do we see what's next. And so the life of trust that God's inviting you and me into, um, I think God is just wanting to bring us to a place in life where we are so humble and so open-handed and neutral that we can say, God, the answer is yes before we even know what it is. I think this is perhaps why broken people, people who've kind of made a mess of certain aspects of their life and there's this chaos and there's this wreckage, I think a lot of times broken people have an easier time discerning God's will because they're going, "Uh, God, one thing I'm not going to do is anything else uh, without you. I'm in a place where I, I just, I need help. People who are at rock bottom, who are broken enough to say, God, your will be done. It's a lot of times easier for them. And so discerning God's direction for our lives when we're at a crossroads, when we have a decision to make, it's about moving to a place where instead of going, God, I don't need you to be involved over here or over here. I'm just asking in this one situation so that I can maybe think about it for a while. It's moving from that to saying, God, I'm not just asking for information or just to consider. My answer is yes. Please show me what to do in this situation. And again, many times I think God actually wants us to know his will more than we even want to know it. I think often he's just waiting for us to get neutral enough to say, I actually want your will more than I want these other things. I want what you want more than I want to trust my vision of the good life or happiness or or what's going to get me there. By the way, Solomon ends all of this uh, with kind of a warning. He says in verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Again, it's very easy to fall into. Solomon's saying, look, I know you've been doing this for 20 years. I know that you're a professional. I get that you have wisdom. I understand you've read all the books. You have knowledge. You have information. You have experience. All of that's great, but it's not enough. Don't be wise in your own eyes. There's actually another layer to all of this. Um, Does anyone know what happened to Solomon, the wisest person in the world? With all of that wisdom and all of that experience and all of that knowledge. Turns out there was actually an area of Solomon's life later on where he decided, 
I think I'm going to go with my gut. I think I'm going to lean a little bit more on my experience, my expertise, because again, I've been doing this for a really long time. And what happened is later in life, his heart and his devotion drifted from God. Again, essentially in just one area. He quit trusting God and trusted his own ways. Solomon decided that instead of trusting God to defend the nation, that he, Solomon, would marry the daughters of foreign kings and empires and to make an alliance and that way guarantee safety. And it was just sort of how things were done back then. According to Solomon's way of seeing it, this was the best way that he could think of to protect the nation. He disobeyed God. He said, I'm going to go with my own intuition, my own experience. And guess what happened? It ruined his legacy. His life, from that point on, went off the rails, and wars were fought because of this, and eventually the kingdom itself was split. Sadly, in the end, Solomon did not take his own advice. Um, he didn't live out what he knew in his head to be true. He didn't acknowledge or submit to God in all of his ways. Instead, you know what he did? He leaned hard into his very, very good understanding. I think this explains why or something that we see all the time. How do really smart people make such bad decisions sometimes or end up on just ridiculous paths that lead to dead ends. Because Solomon is telling us and showing us that being wise, being smart, isn't enough. That over time, pride can keep in if we're not creep in if we're not submitted to God. Arrogance can kind of sneak up on us and, and override all of these things that we know. The lesson is this, apart from God, we eventually choose the wrong path. And that what we need is not more wisdom, it's not advice, it's not understanding. We need God. We need to be dependent on Him. I mean, the invitation to you and me is to acknowledge in every single one of our ways, God, I need you, I submit to you. And God says, when you do that, I will make your path clear, I'll make it evident what I want you to do. And so here's my question as we end. Has there ever been a time in your life when you have acknowledged, submitted to God in all your ways? In all your ways. If you're like me, what we sometimes do is we submit to God in the areas where we, we actually we don't have any control anyway. So we say to God, all right, I'll tell you what, God, I will submit to you when it comes to my salvation and like what happens to me after I die. And God goes, well, why are you giving me that? Well, because there's not a thing I can possibly do about that. So here, you can have it. That's interesting. Or we say to God, God, I, I trust you to, to take care of my kids, protect my kids. And God says, what? Why are you asking me that? Why are you giving me that? Well, because the world, as we know, is an unpredictable, sometimes scary place. And so I can't do that myself. I don't have that kind of control. And so, God, I'll give that to you. But then when it comes to areas where we feel like we have some control, like our money, like our relationships, like our vision of the good life and what we think is going to make us happy, suddenly we have a much, much harder time giving God control in those areas.
This is about all of life. It's about areas where we say, God, I think I'm pretty smart in this area, but I know it's not enough. God, I realize I have like years of experience doing this, but I actually need you as if I had no experience. Lord, I'm actually a professional and people come to me for advice in in this area, but God, I am as dependent on you as if I knew nothing about it. Not gonna lean on my own understanding. And so Lord, help me to submit to you even in areas where I have some control, some agency. Because I know if I refuse to submit that eventually my my pride, my best thinking um, is going to override all that you want to give me. Have you submitted to him in the area of your finances, your relationships, your career path, your priorities, your future plans, your desires? Have you come to a place where you've said, God, here's what I want to do. I can tell you all that. But what I want more than anything is your will. At the end of the day, knowledge and insight are not enough. We need him. We need to to depend on him. And by the way, if you're not in this place, where you said, I'm willing to submit to acknowledge God in all of my life, that's okay. That's a process. But I would just invite you to, to... Stick with that and to ask yourself, why? Why is that? Why is it so hard for me to let go of control and to submit to God in all of my ways and just to follow him in that where he leads? Would you stand with me? And I will pray. Uh, Father, I pray for each person in this room. Um, For those of us who just a moment ago uh, reflected on this question, immediately we had an area of our lives come to mind. Could be a relationship, financial decision, a priority. There's something about how we're living that um, we we recognize we haven't acknowledged you. We haven't submitted to you. Lord, help us to see this connection between submitting to you, trusting you in all of our ways, and in the direction, the clarity that you want to bring us. God, give us the courage to open our hands. We already trust you with the things that we can't control. Lord, help us to trust you with maybe the things that it feels like we do control, and we do have a say in, and we do have choices. Lord, may we honor you with all of our lives. May we be people who are committed to saying, my answer to you, Lord, is yes. Now, show me what to do. Lord, I pray that in proportion, that to the degree that we honor you, that we put you first, that we submit to you, that you would make our paths clear, that you would help us to flourish and to experience Um, the life that you have for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks everyone for being here. Come back next week and uh, we'll pick up the next part of our series on trust. We'll see you.